Here at Gays Talking Straight, we care about your overall health and well-being. We are not medical experts or healthcare professionals. Nothing we say should be construed as medical advice. If you have questions or concerns about your health or well-being, please contact your healthcare provider. Welcome to Gays Talking Straight. I'm your host, Richard Lamberti. I'm here today with Steve Brooks and Paul Driver. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I know you both from the Orlando Gay Chorus, and it's kind of like in these videos so far, I'm cherry picking the chorus, but this is great. <laughs> you are founding members. Yes. That is correct, yes. And you founded your relationship before the chorus existed. Yes. Yeah. And I invited you here to talk to me about your relationship. So if you would, just go back to the beginning and tell us how you met and how your relationship developed. And let's, let's talk okay. about that a little bit. Well, uh, we met actually at a bar uh, called Central Station up in Longwood. Uh, before, going, before seeing him there, I'd actually seen pictures of him uh, at the Gay and Lesbian um, Community Center. Uh, this, is pre the center. this is pre-the-center. This is pre-the-center, yes. This was back when it was on... It was on Mills. Mills. It was on yeah. Mills, yes. Yeah. Just anyway, to... he had, there was a picture of him from the grand opening or some ceremony mm-hmm. when he was there, and I just saw him and just, oh, he's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. And because mm-hmm. I'm not normally a very forward person, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't just... I mean, obviously, in this case, because I had seen his picture... I had I saw him in the bar. He was talking with a friend of his, and I actually circled around a couple of times without saying anything, and then Matt, your friend. I thought it was, no, it was uh, Ken. Mm-hmm. It was Ken. Huh? You're, I think was, you're right. But, yeah, I apologize. I had gone out with a friend because I had not too long before this, several weeks before this, had had a slow and just. Not even painful, but just lethargic winding down of a relationship that we both just said, no, forget it. Mm-hmm. And it was at the point where I was just, I was joking with Ken saying, I'm at the point, I don't want men, I don't need men, I'm just fine without men, everything is good. And he pointed out to me, he said, that guy over there is staring at you. Well, that guy, that guy. The day before we had online and oh, yeah. the way you met people was out of the world. And it wasn't just as though I was standing there staring yeah. at him. No. I had walked around a couple of times yeah. and was just kind of keeping an eye yeah. on him. Because yeah. I was trying to tell if they were a couple. Mm. And uh, yeah. so I finally, <laughs> he looked over at me mm-hmm. and what did I do? I said, you I went, you did like this. I, I just away, and yeah. I went, me? And you went, uh-huh. And I went back. <laughs> and then we just kind of started walking and we sort of met and... Hi, how you doing? Hey, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm Paul. And well, that's just so charming. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's like I, I wish that there were more stories like that for the young kids today. <laughs> but you said it yourself. It was before online, before Grinder, before hookup, before Facebook, before Twitter, before before people spent the entire evening either <laughs> focusing on selfies or texting somebody who's sitting three seats away from them. Right. No, it was it was very much a different world. So you had the chance to meet, and mm-hmm. so you actually, you know, you picked him out of the crowd. Yes. And yes, then what happened? We just started talking yep. and kept on talking, and we eventually we went up to Denny's. To Denny's, to we Denny's. across the street. Okay. 
at, well, down the street. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. And, uh, and yeah, funny story was I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. Um, exactly. We left the bar and went over to Denny's to start talking. And I had totally forgotten that I had given this friend of mine, who was my roommate at the time, but strictly platonic roommate, I had given him a ride to the bar that night. Uh-huh. So basically, he... And there was no Uber. There was no Uber. <laughs> so for years, I was reminded of that on a regular basis, how I abandoned him at the bar to go meet up with Prince Charming. Yes. well, Because well, yeah. we, we came back at one point, and he was asleep on your car hood, as I recall. Was he? Uh, that's what okay. I remember. Okay. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so yeah. this would have been... When? 1987. 87. 87. Yeah, I was thinking the other day. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so you started seeing each other. Yep. We and, did. Uh, yeah. And, you, and the first date lasted three the fir- days. The first date was three days long. Uh, and then at some point somebody came up for air. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Now, I was um, living down in Kissimmee. At that yeah, point. that's okay. what you were living in Kissimmee, and, and I was living in Maitland. Okay. So, yeah, we, it started out, you know, long distance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which you live in Kissimmee too much longer after that. No, I remember because because I, mean, I already had the house. Yeah, the house the was up for sale. Yeah. yeah. So how long was it after that that you know one of you looked at the other and and knew this is what I want? It's pretty pretty soon for me. Yeah. Really, uh, I mean, we like we talked before. You know, we spent part of our first date sitting in front of a Christmas tree. Yeah. You know, talking about. Um, as, as cliche and sappy as it sounds, you know, growing old together, making plans together, making memories together. I remember that phrase, making memories together. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it was a pretty, um, it hit pretty hard pretty fast. Okay. Yeah. Good. So then the years go by, your relationship grows and develops. There's been changes, you know, so, you know, you've moved. You've, a lot. Yeah. yeah and, Built a life together, made a lot of memories. Yes. And so you've been together now how many years? 32. 32 years. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted you all to come. You have lived a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Like yes. truly good old-fashioned monogamous yeah. relationship for 32 years. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's the one for me. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I understand that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've known you both for over 10 years. And it's charming to see the two of you together because you are one of those couples that have that thing that you just, you couple really well. And you're, yeah. you're good in each other's presence. Yeah. Which is interesting because we are so almost diametrically opposite in so many respects. But, you know, the things that I find that I'm the most impressed with, you know, about Paul are the things that are so different than what I say are my primary um, attributes, you know. And I get that. You know, I mean, in a sense, you're saying opposites attract. Sure. Except that underneath of that, you have these shared values that gave you a foundation for this relationship that's a mm-hmm. lifetime thing. I say this all the time, you know, any relationship that's going to be strong, any relationship doesn't have to be an intimate one, has a foundation of shared values in context. You know, so like the chorus is a great example. There's a hundred people in the chorus. Just because we share the value of singing does not mean 
that we create relatedness within the chorus. The little groups that form, it's beyond the shared interest of the music. And there's some reason that those little groups become related to each other. And I contend it's a values-based thing that happens. When you're talking about friendships or, or intimate relationships, then that foundation has to be broader and it has to be able to support what you're going to build on top of it and create those memories on top of. Yeah. And obviously the two of you have that. And I think it's visible. I think that when I see the two of you, especially over time, that it's really clear that you have that kind of foundation. Well, thank you. Yeah. I hope so. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, and I'm, I will admit, I'm envious. I, I wish that I had had the 30-year relationship that I wanted and never got to have. You know, I'm getting a little long in the tooth for 30 years, but uh, I'll take you 25. Never <laughs> you you <laughs> never know. You never know. Well, I know it was interesting because, you know, we talked before about, you know, the, the, the pressures to um, devalue commitment. Mm, yes. And it was really interesting because... Ours, especially within the chorus and within things like that, has been, you know, pretty much, I think, the opposite. I mean, I remember, was it, was it, was it Charlie, Polly, that said, or somebody in the chorus, anyway, said to us, (laughs) you two cannot ever break up. Because if you ever split up, it would be like seeing my parents get a divorce. Wow. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I talk to young gay men all the time. Mm -hmm. And... The number one set of issues has to do with dating, creating relationship. I hear a complaint constantly about the pressure that they feel to be on Grinder or go out with their friends and get drunk and hook up or that they meet somebody that they like and something happens because something always happens, mm-hmm. you know. And instead of their friends saying to them, what can we do to help you? This is a good guy. You're a good guy. What can we do to make that work for the two of you? It's, oh, I never liked him anyway. Men are like buses. They look great when they're coming at you, but they stink when they leave, and there'll be another one coming along soon. We no longer seem to provide an environment for each other where the value of relatedness is expressed in the way that we interact as a community. Oh, I'm dating somebody. Oh, is he hot? When can we do a three-way? Well, I, but I think also, you know, again, touching base on some of the stuff that we talked about with Grinder, with this, with that, there are so many really, really easy, accessible, no real effort required avenues to, to connect. And so when people do connect via some of all of these avenues, I, I think some of it is maybe a little bit of, you know, even like jealousy from friends and things like that. But I think some of it also is just an honest, um, an honest perception that these relationships, hookups, interactions, meetings, whatever you want to call them are so disposable. Well, you know, you don't need a lot of game Mm -hmm. to end up with good photos that you can put online and flash around, and that's all. That's it. And I think for a lot of people, when that is the that is the way; those were the building blocks that a relationship is built on. I think sometimes there is a little bit of a 
a tendency to maybe not necessarily devalue relationships, but devalue those type of relationships because those type of hookups that especially when people are really young and they're very much in love with the idea of being in love and the idea of commitment and the idea of coupledom, mm -hmm. those type of interactions are, you know, houses built of cards. Uh, you know, well, uh, I've, you know, dancer, trained a lot. What you practice is what you get. And I think it was Jed that used to say, practice may not be perfect, but practice makes permanent. Mm -hmm. The problem is, if you're out in the world practicing casual sex as a form of recreation, you're not practicing creating relatedness. Right. And back, you know, in our day, to meet people, you had to be out in the world. You actually had to engage face-to-face. -face. Right. Whether you were shy or not, whether or not yeah. it was easy, mm -hmm. you had to... to Get yourself out there and say hello to somebody and say hello back. Yeah. It was pretty much the bars or it was, uh, there was, of course, bowling came yeah. along. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we, we were social. Again, yeah, we were involved in, in social, social groups and civic groups, you know, which I think helped a little bit too. Being involved with like being involved with the center. Being yeah. involved with the bowling league, being involved with some things like this, you know. Well, founding the, the chorus. Yeah, and felt, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, social activities that were not necessarily predicated on the idea of your success or failure as a member of this group is based on how many notches you can put in your chastity belt. Yeah. Yeah. Which, unlike some of the bar environments, it's all about conquest. It's That's how you measure the success of your experience. Well, I mean, I think it has become more so of, of that. There were... Bars, San Francisco, right? Lots and lots of bars. Mm -hmm. The bar you picked had a lot to do with what was going to happen in an evening. Well, because we went to San Francisco one time and we went out and I was not, I wasn't looking to hook up. I wasn't looking to do anything, but I was used to the whole thing of like going out in Orlando. When you go out, just even if it's nothing more than that, just the making eye contact, the little nod, the smile the, as you're going past. Yeah. And there was very much none of this. There was, it was people <laughs> had their groups, you know, people were involved with their groups. And I remember asking, it was one of the guys that we met out there, asking them, you know, about, wow, this is really surprising to me, you know, because I don't really see any of that, like flirting or anything like that going on. And I remember his comment to me was, he said, oh, you won't find that in the bars. If you want that, people go to the sex clubs or the baths. Which is interesting because you used to. Right. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. This was in San Francisco probably, what, 20 years ago? Oh. Well, and even but that, 20 but, years ago, it had already started. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So I don't think that um, this is a, a, recent, a recent thing. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's been developing for a long time. Yeah. Um, let's just take a short break. And then I want to come back and talk to you more about what your relationship has been like. Sure. Thank you. Special thanks to our guests, Steve Brooks and Paul Driver. You can find our videos at www.youtube.com slash gays talking straight. That's STR number eight. Gays Talking Straight is recorded at Timaqua in Orlando, Florida www.timacua.com 
Timaquah, where they've been making art since 2000. Our executive producer is Judy Wallace, directed by Raphael Penyon. Video and audio by Benoit Glazer, who also wrote and performed our theme music. Our social media manager is Nathaniel Butler. Sabah O is our researcher and floor manager. I'm your host, Richard Lamberti. Thank you for being a part of Gaze Talking Straight. <laughs>